Venture capital in Africa is having its moment. According to AFCA research, the total value of reported venture capital deals over the past six years is about five billion US dollars. In 2020 alone, the volume of deals more than doubled to 319 from just 140 reported deals in 2019. So looking at this data, it's clear to see that VC in Africa is booming. But with that said, venture capital in Africa represents less than 1%, or to be precise, 0.4% of global VC funding flows as of 2020. So despite the success stories, there is clearly a funding gap that needs to be addressed. The key question is, what can be done to encourage more VC investment in Africa? This is PE Talks Africa, a podcast by the African Private Equity and Venture Capital Association, AFCA. I'm your host, Yossi Olalea, and in this episode, I'm delighted to be talking to three experts and economists from the African Development Bank. Joining us today are Dr. Fado Jawi, Dr. Omolola Amosu, and Dr. Francis Kameze. Fado is a former investment banker with experience of private sector development, entrepreneurship, and sustainable investing. Lola is a principal research economist in the research department of the African Development Bank, and she obtained her MA and PhD in economics from Vanderbilt University. Francis is a senior research economist in the same team at the bank, and he holds a PhD in agricultural economics from the University of Ghana. Fado holds an MPhil and a PhD in economics from the University of Oxford. So thank you all for joining us today. And let's just jump straight into the conversation. And I will say, tell us a bit about yourselves and the work that you do at the African Development Bank. Uh, Fado, would you like to start? Sure. Thank you very much, uh, Yossi. Um, In particular, thank you for uh, having us uh, all today. Uh, We are basically economists in the uh, research department at the bank. And um, one of the interesting things that we do in addition to research is ESG impact assessments of the bank's investments uh, across the board, uh, across sectors uh, in the private sector. Uh, We are quite versatile um, and we work on different industries. Uh, I, for example, manage the macro research division, uh, but uh, my interests um, vary from uh, the financial sector, um, private sector development, uh, and, and other areas. Uh, and I'll let my colleagues here um, who can say more about uh, themselves. Uh, go ahead, uh, Lola and uh, Francis. Hi, everyone. Hi, my name is Lola, and um, I'm with the uh, microeconomic division of the African Development Bank. I'm a principal research economist. And as Fidel said, we uh, work on a variety of topics. Uh, I am um, primarily in, uh, focused on the financial sector issues, um, although, you know, uh, help out wherever I'm needed. Uh, seen as my background has been in financial consulting, uh, this is this is something that's near and dear to my heart, particularly when it comes to financing um, not only mature businesses but you know financing startups, uh, as we are going to talk about shortly. So I'll let Francis uh, introduce himself. Thank you, Lola, and hi. Uh, I'm Francis Kemeze, and I'm in. An economist working in the same microeconomic institutional development impact division uh, with Lola. Uh, my research interests uh, lie primarily in agricultural financing, uh, risk management, trade finance, and uh, SMEs financing. Uh, conduct research to support the bank operation as well as you know contributing to the assessment of the bank private sector s additionality and development outcome you know basically to support senior management decision making thank you great thank you all for that introduction so you've co-authored this really important paper on the drivers of venture capital in africa can you share the motivation for the research and why it's an important time for industry players to engage with the data and your findings Fado, do you want to go first sure i could certainly start 
Um, well, the very first thing to mention um, are the huge financing needs uh, in Africa for development. Uh, if you think um, for Sub-Saharan Africa alone, there are needs of about $570 billion a year to meet the SDGs by uh, 2030, uh, the Sustainable Development Goals. Um, and at the same time, especially with what has been going on with the, uh, the pandemic, um, there's been um, rising um, financing needs um, to finance uh, recovery, uh, to, to finance um, the, uh, the health issues uh, that, uh, that came about due to, to the pandemic. Um, there's been uh, more fiscal pressure. And, and as a result, there's been a rising trend um, in debt levels. So it's also important to, to think about alternative um, sources of financing. Um, and, and equity investments is, is one of them. Then, then there's the whole um, conversation uh, about um, the need for digital moonshots for Africa. So Africa needs to um, basically you know, leapfrog um, its, um, its, um, its uh, digital transformation. And to do that, you definitely need um, uh, risk financing and venture capital is, uh, is, is one of them. Um, then you look at the VC trend, um, you look at the burgeoning VC trend in Africa, which has been exponential over the past few years, yet it only represents 0.4% of global VC flows um, that actually go to Africa. So that, that's still very limited. Um, and, and on top of that, you know, from a research perspective, there's been very little research cross-continental, and we want to set the foundation and hopefully incentivize more work on this field and also bring a bit more rigor. And finally, I would say, um, we also hope to inform the stakeholders in their decisions. And by stakeholders, I mean, um, policymakers, investors, and development institutions like the APB, which has been, you know, increasingly supporting the entrepreneurial uh, ecosystem. Great, thanks, Fadil. So, Francis, um, this one's for you. How supportive would you say AFDB uh, is of Africa's early stage ecosystem? And do you have any specific examples that you can share of key projects that the bank has supported? Thank you. Thank you for this um, you know, great question. Uh, I think the African Development Bank um, use a multifaceted and integrated approach in his support to you know, early stage ecosystem. And, and this facility include, you know, knowledge lab, the bank through his entrepreneurship and innovation lab provide market analysis and networking via live mapping the entrepreneurship market um, and, and his actors and training and sharing of best practices and knowledge exchange platform. Uh, the bank also provide technical assistance grant for pipeline development, capacity building training, and support links to global network and African, uh, African uh, venture network. Uh, the bank also provide you know, investment, mostly direct investment through equity financing in C fund, accelerators, VCs, business angels fund. Uh, I, I think the bank also play a, a catalytic role to attracting significant public and private resources to this market segment. And uh, above all, the bank at high level also plays an advisory role by helping government putting in place the right uh, regulatory frameworks and incentive for, for the growth of entrepreneurship and innovation in, in the continent. So the bank does this via a number of initiatives or flagship program, including the Youth Entrepreneurship and Innovation uh, Multi-Donor Trust Fund, the Boss Africa, uh, together with the European Investment Bank, uh, the African Digital Financial Inclusion Facility. We also have the Fashionomic Africa, which basically invests in fashion in Africa. We have the Youth Entrepreneurship Investment Bank, which is, you know, you know, just about to be launched. 
uh, and we have coding for in, uh, employment flagship program, which really is a program targeting youth coding for uh, the new uh, digital uh, Africa. We also have the Job for Youth in Africa Innovative Lab, and, and, and the list go on. You know, just to say that you know, the African Development Bank Group is very much involved in, in VC space and is you know, growing his support uh, to this uh, market segment. Uh, I think I'll stop here. If I may, if I, if I may add Go just on. one one thing, um, uh, you'll see. That. Sorry about that. Just uh, a detail, which is um, so the bank does not uh, invest directly, you know, in in startups as as a VC uh, itself, you know, but but as uh, Francis mentioned, it does invest indirectly through um, equity funds, uh, VC funds. Okay, that's really useful to know. And it's good to see the bank is also actually interested in the creative industries because I have a personal interest in the creative industries, but it's also good to see that there's a lot of um, activity there as well, especially fashion um, and potentially media. So let's go and let's delve into the data and the findings. So the data shows that in 2020, majority of VC investments were in fintech companies, uh, I think about 31%, followed by clean energy companies, about 22%. So in your view, Lola, why do these two sectors continue to dominate the African VC space? And what would you say are the implications of this concentration of investment activity on the whole ecosystem? Uh, no, thank you, Yossi, for this question. I think most people in other industries would be like, well, we need funding too, right? Like, why aren't we getting um, some of that juicy, busy money? Um, so when you look at what's going on, you'll notice that over the past six years or so, funding has been kind of concentrated, as you rightfully mentioned, in the fintech space. Um, and you probably have heard a number of these quite sexy deals with you know, Flutterwave and Kudi and Bankly and all of that. Um, and there's, there's obviously a, a very simple reason for that. When you think about access to financial services on the continent, you see that there's a, a significant gap. Um, and FinTech has been able to kind of tap into that um, and provide services such as like payment services, remittances, um, lending, even uh, even financing um, uh, activities for for small and and those that are not in the formal sector, um, they they have been able to tap into this unbanked and underserved population um, and try to kind of get them financially included. Right. So this this Africa is, is kind of prime in the sense that um, given its population size, given uh, some of the gaps in, in infrastructure and in access, as I just mentioned, um, you know, investors are seeing this as, as, a significant, as a significant opportunity. And so they're positioning themselves, right, to help um, some of the startups innovate and put together a digital system that can um, expand their business. Now, keep in mind that fintechs operate in multiple sectors and categories. So yes, we, you know, we talk about fintech as though it's this uh, unilateral uh, sector, but you know, you can have a fintech that does a variety of things in, in different sectors, right? So, um, you know, just kind of wanted to point that out there that it is true, it's all about financial services, um, but you know, financial services impacts just about every um, category you can think of. Now, in terms of um, the energy space, we can see that obviously gaps in infrastructure um, have have really uh, impacted the the continent or impacting the continent currently, and we we're seeing a lot of, of startups kind of fast tracking the transition to renewable energy, um, and, and you see a number of uh, startups also developing apps that can help um, you know leap leapfrog uh, some of these these gaps that we're facing today. So I think that overall, um, overall the, the access uh, issues in Africa is what is causing, right, um, some of these concentrations that we are seeing today. So in terms of implications, I think that uh, the COVID-19 pandemic has caused you know, even more concentration in this in these areas because, as as you know, people the uh, the distancing measures and 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 so forth uh, led to people not being able to move around 
easily. They probably are conducting more transactions uh, remotely from their homes, from the you know uh, individual locations, and so there's been a, a huge leap. Uh, if you look at the numbers in terms of of um, adherence to some of these fintech solutions, you see that there's a big jump uh, as of the COVID-19 pandemic. So we think that this is something that is going to continue um, to, to some extent, and uh, we're excited to see what 2021 and 2022 will have in, in store. I'll stop there. Thank you. That's interesting, Lala. But I wonder, uh, apart from fintech, you make a good point about how fintech also you know, plays a role in many other sectors. But in your view, and anyone can take this question really, uh, apart from those two key sectors where we see the concentration of investment, where else do you see uh, emerging activity in the VC space sort of over the last year? And what do you think might happen next year? Which sectors do you think are, as Lola said, looking sexy to investors? Oh, sorry. I was laughing to myself here. Um, no, I, I think that um, so the consumer sector has always been quite interesting. Um, when I say consumer, I think, I think I'm, I'm talking retail. Um, delivery also is something that we're seeing starting to pick up um, quite significantly. Um, and, and like uh, Francis rightly mentioned, the, the creatives, I think that's an area we need to look out for. Um, that's an area that has a huge potential, um, but that's often usually under under finance because maybe um, investors don't quite understand the, the risks um, in, in that space. So I think that's something that uh, that we should definitely um, be looking out for uh, in the in the years to come. Oh, and I must say healthcare, right? So healthcare. Um, lest I forget, <laughs> is uh, is now coming is well coming to the forefront given the pandemic. Um, we're seeing not as much as we would have thought in 2021. I think there was just a couple of a few deals that we're in the healthcare space um, uh, so far, but but I think that's something we need to watch out for as well. So I'll let um, my colleagues chime in. Yeah, I may add. I may add uh, something here. I mean, you touched upon uh, most of them, uh, uh, Lola. But but to kind of synthesize, it's basically anything that is compatible with social distancing. I would say, you know, so the pandemic has, you know, has served a few um, tech sectors, and so uh, health tech has. Uh, you know, I spoke to a few entrepreneurs here and there. And health tech has known, you know, a, a, a big rise. E-commerce, you know, I think a few, you know, uh, delivery uh, delivery companies and so on, uh, because of the uh, the constraints, the lockdown constraints, etc., have crystallized a bit more their 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 positioning. So, so I would say going forward, you know, anything that has been, you know, that has served well um, uh, consumers um, during the pandemic. Uh, we'll see a further uh, a further boost in my view. Great, that's really interesting. So, if we move on from the sectors and sort of look at the ge geographic uh, data, we know that there's a lot of VC funding that's centered around Nigeria, Kenya, South Africa, and Egypt. So what are the factors that make these countries attractive for VC investment? And is there something that other countries on the continent can learn from them? Um, very good uh, question, uh, Yossi. And in fact, it's very much related to uh, our findings. So, so first of all, we, so before getting into those uh, findings, I would like to thank uh, ABCA because we haven't done that yet for providing us the data. So, without without uh, you know uh, you, you'll see, and and your colleagues, I think we wouldn't have been able to uh, to make this um, this research happen. So, uh, thanks again for uh, for collaborating with us uh, on that. Um, and a second thing, just to mention swiftly, a quick disclaimer, you know, thoughts are our own in this, in this research and, and they do not represent the, uh, you know, the views and the opinions of the bank, so that we are the only ones uh, held accountable on, <laughs> on, on the results. Um, now, in terms of um, the actual results I was mentioning and, and, and related to this geographical concentration you're saying, um, I would say it's precisely, you know, 
these countries are perfect case study uh, of the evidence we find, which is that you know um, having better digital infrastructure, having better internet connectivity, um, uh, larger market size, um, and 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 larger internet uh, uh, coverage uh, are all um, associated with uh, a higher, um, in a sense, you know, attraction of, uh, of uh, VC funding. And when you look at, uh, you know, the data for these countries, you know, so they are precisely the ones with the, you know, with the uh, highest indicators um, um, related to these determinants that I just mentioned. So, you know, look at Nigeria, uh, Kenya, South Africa, Egypt, they have, you know, much bigger populations. They do have more fairly, relatively more developed digital infrastructure, better internet coverage, and uh, and so on. So so they kind of reflect, um, you know, uh, at, at you know, let's say at the country level, uh, the results that uh, that we found. Then there are things that are a little bit more difficult to measure, and so we haven't been able to. Um, to, to, to isolate just because you know of uh, you know data data issues, um, but you can suspect um, we know that say you know Lagos or you know in, in Nigeria uh, or Cairo in Egypt are you know very developed entrepreneurial ecosystems uh, compared to other other parts of uh, of the continent, and one can suspect again. You know, one has to look at uh, evidence at the city level, but one can suspect that densities, population densities at the city level may play a role because that can, can uh, engender um, uh, clustering, clustering of firms and an exchange, better exchange of ideas, better flow of ideas, better flow of uh, human capital and of financing, which is all um, favorable to uh, generate uh, better entrepreneurs, better startups, uh, etc. So there's probably this um, also this uh, peculiarity um, that exists among these countries, but are a bit harder to, to measure. It's quite interesting that you mentioned clustering because, and this is a personal interest of mine, I was actually obsessed at a point with the concept of clusters in the UK. So there, I think there are three key clusters. There's a Cambridge, um, which is linked to the University of Cambridge. There's, there's the Oxford one as well. And then there's one in London with um, investors like UCL. So uh, this is, it would be interesting to see if there is any room in Africa, and I know, I know that's very broad, but in some of these key countries in Africa, what is the potential for policymakers, academic institutions, um, VC firms, entrepreneurs to actually come together and form almost this, I think they call it the triple helix, but form this sort of unit where there is just a knowledge exchange culture um, and there's just constant sharing of knowledge and creating knowledge and technology and just advancing development is there an opportunity for this sort of um culture so to speak in africa um, thanks for, for for raising that i, I can say something first and maybe my colleagues can uh, you know can can jump in as well and um, so what i mentioned earlier is more like you know organically Something that organically evolved, right? And 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 these clusters were created in these um, in, in in the cities in these countries. But as you say, um, maybe one can engineer these these clusters. Um, Silicon Valley is one example, you know, of of, uh, of clustering that worked uh, that worked very well. Um, we spoke with 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 my colleagues. We spoke um, uh, with. Um, um, a few uh, policymakers in um, in uh, Botswana at some point, and they they um, they're building an innovation hub there. Um, so it's a physical you know a physical um, uh, entity being built where there will be incubators and accelerators etc. And that's one of the kind of ways one can can do it. You can just literally engineer it um, and um, and um, bringing all the ingredients. Um, that can work well, like uh, mentorship, financing, etc. I've seen that also happening. Um, I visited uh, a university at some point in uh, in uh, northern uh, UK, 
where they did that for, I think, um, um, gaming or, or, or design, and they just literally built buildings. Uh, usually buildings are not enough, it's about the people inside. And so uh, you have to you know, start with um, a concentrated um, area, and then you, you bring the people together, the right people together, and then it's their demand for the physical location that will then try building more buildings, if you see what I mean. So instead of having these big, you know, uh, science park, I think, I think a lot of countries have tried that globally, uh, science parks that remain empty uh, at the end, because that's not the idea. You have to start small and let the demand grow uh, around that to create that cluster. It's, at the end of the day, it's the people inside that uh, matter. You're absolutely right. So, and I might, oh, sorry, Lola, go on. Um, I was just going to touch on that, that we should keep in mind the context within we're working now, which, which is like a lot of things are moving virtually. Um, so it could be uh, p potential for some, some of these clusters to, to, to happen, um, perhaps not necessarily geographically, but um, around common interests and around common ventures, um, tech hubs, for example, um, can happen now virtually. So I think this is something that's exciting um, that we're, you know, we'll be looking to us to see, you know, how is this new environment or virtual environment going to kind of alter what we think is the traditional clustering that occurs in this kind of space, venture capital. Thank you. Thanks, Lola. That's really interesting. Maybe this is just me being cheeky now. Maybe we should think about another research paper on clusters and um, uh, sort of technology hubs and innovation hubs in Africa going forward. <laughs> but, um, I'm up for it. I'm up for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, do you know what? I might make that my PhD topic, to be honest. So, let's talk about this offline. But let's move on to um, what some might call a tricky topic and we certainly think about this all the time at Africa when we're talking about the VC space and it's that some people in the industry call for more diversity uh, in the ecosystem uh, in terms of the the profile of investors that are raised that are backing um, African startups and the profile of entrepreneurs that are actually getting funding so what is your view on this uh, tricky topic of diversity and how does the saturation of sectors, regions, investor demographic pose any risk to the growth of the industry, if any? Uh, okay, so I'll, I'll jump in and take it and start this one, um, seeing as I'm the only female in the group. Uh, so when, <laughs> when people <laughs> talk about diversity, they they tend to think mostly in terms of gender, um, but no, we we are we look across the different aspects of the ecosystem, um, including gender, obviously, uh, and and this is no surprise. You know, the space is is very concentrated, not only in terms of sectors, regions, but also in terms of investor demographic, in terms of investees that that receive uh, this this funding. So. I think that um, while diversity is always a good thing, it's always important. Um, it's it's important not only uh, because you get to hear different uh, aspects of, of of an issue, of a product, etc., um, but it it helps to to bring in more inclusivity, right? So. I think there's a number of reasons why you might tend to see kind of uh, non-diversity, if I can say that word, in, in the VC space. Obviously, it starts not only from those that are investing, um, but also maybe in the pool of investees available, et cetera. So, so there's, you know, we, we, we talk in the paper, uh, you know, somewhat about the reasons why you might find gender um, concentration in the VC space. But beyond that, I think it's important uh, to note that um, while you might see FinTech receiving like 33% of all funding, uh, you know, in the last six years, we have to understand that there's still such a big gap, right? Like, so yes, we would like for other sectors to receive more, um, but even within FinTech, even within um, the, the four big four countries like Fidel just talked about, there's still such a demand, right? There's still such a need. And so 
I think it's important, yes, to diversify so that the growth that we see in the, in the venture capital industry is more inclusive, right? This, this is always a good thing. Um, we should just keep in mind that we're coming from a position of <laughs> a lagging position. And so anything we can get, we are, we are super you know, happy to get, but we, we definitely um, are of the mindset that uh, there has to be some balance, obviously, across, across the board. And so I, I won't say too much before I get on a, I have to walk on eggshells here, but I'll let my colleagues keep in if they, if they feel like there's more to say here. Uh, Francis, do you have anything to say or shall I, shall I go here first? Go ahead, Fadel. I, I wanted to talk a bit on the gender aspect of it, but uh, probably ahead, wait until, until it comes. No, no, no. I think um, it's true, as Lola mentioned, if you look at the diversity and inclusiveness of, of most venture uh, investment, you will see that men tend to receive more, you know, financing than female on in the study. I think female receive just about 15, 15% of you know the total VC funding coming to 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 Africa, at least the disclosed one. Um, um, you know historically you could find some reason for that. Uh, one maybe you know the fact that um, you know this also education you know or training bias as far as entrepreneurship is concerned where men are mostly involved in entrepreneurship than than women. I think this you know, issues can be addressed through, through training, um, but we should also bear in mind that, um, you know, the time availability for, for women is very crucial. Men tend to be less involved in, in household activities uh, compared to women. Um, and this is probably something that could be addressed. And, and that could also be one of the reasons why, you know, women seem not to be that much invested because entrepreneurship activity really take, you know, a bunch of, you know, time. You really have to be very dedicated. And, and, and if traditionally women continue to be very much involved in household and bear in mind that they also have to keep their uh, career or, you know, uh, moving, or moving forward, and then there's need to be able to, to have also that balance in, in household. So that's a conversation that I think um, the society today probably have to, to have, which is saying men also probably should also be much involved in household activity you know it's the estimate the, the estimate is about uh, 20 times you know women spending you know 20 uh, 20 hours more per week on household activity compared to men and this is where you know everything has to start uh, here back to you father <laughs> <laughs> so yoshi i will i will interject and say this is a this is a hot topic conversation even amongst us three authors um with different points of views but um i think that uh, we we all agree that more diversity is good so i'll let adele um say what he thinks <laughs> So, Fadel, if you just hold your thought, I actually wanted to challenge Francis on that. And it's really, it's really interesting that you framed it this way around, you know, uh, gender dynamics. Because a couple of years ago, I was doing a course on entrepreneurship and there was a, um, an academic, a woman academic, who actually said people tend to say that women spend more time on household tasks, which means that they don't have a lot of time to get involved in enterprise. But in a way, women actually go into entrepreneurship out of necessity because they need financial freedom. And so they do things that, so it may be that they're, they're doing businesses that are in industries where, I don't know, the, the average man or the average investor or the average entrepreneur, for example, might say, well, that's not a real or a serious business. So there's, a, there's definitely a, an interesting cultural conversation here. But I, I, I think, isn't there, can't we say that, Look, we've talked about the informal sectors, for example, if you think about the concept of the market woman in, uh, in the African context, for example, should we then be saying to VC investors, why don't you back, you know, the informal women who are doing business in the informal sector, for example? Yeah, I think that's, that's definitely, definitely a space where um, VC could also play. Uh, and I think one aspect will be just trying to help these, uh, you know, women-less businesses, you know, market women in transition to a more formal 
uh, former businesses, uh, because I think it would be you know, of a very high risk for VC to engage in an informal sector. Uh, I think probably they will you know, help the sector to transition to a more formal sector, and then, then they can engage. Um, probably just coming back to the you know women involvement in household. Uh, forget to mention that you know technology, you know digital infrastructure, as Father mentioned, could also play there. Meaning you probably don't have really to be in office. You can be you know in your house and using technology and managing your own business. It's, that's one way. But as I mentioned, there's a need for re-education. You know at least household re-education to make sure that men and and women are fully involved in household um, on activity. I think we've lost Francis. I know, I know, I know Lola oh. wanted to, I, I am still there, sorry. <laughs> I, I know Lola wanted to challenge me on this one. But Lola, <laughs> Did you know what, guys? <laughs> we could actually turn the whole conversation and focus on this. I almost feel like we're the part two of this discussion just to talk about diversity and gender. But I, Lola, I know you wanted to say something, but I really want to hear okay. what Father had to say as well. I'll hold my, hold my peace. <laughs> I, I think uh, Francis wanted to suitably disappear, but <laughs> but, <laughs> but we'll, uh, we'll we'll not you know dive more on that one. And uh, I just wanted to say, um, you know, I, I'm still a bit puzzled actually by by the diversity issue uh, and the la- the lack of uh, diversity. You know, beyond the fact that you know it's it's fair, uh, you know, it's even fairer society if you have, you know, uh, more diversity in business and investments, etc. But for me, it's just good business. Um, it's 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 good for profits to have diversity. I mean, just just think about it, it's just common sense. You know, women would have probably a better understanding of the nuances of. The, the tastes, the wants, the needs of other women, uh, and so they would have a better understanding of half of the uh, uh, of the markets. And you can say the same about people coming from a certain culture and the nuances in that culture, and so on. So for me, I, I just sense it's probably a matter of time, you know, just a matter of time before uh, we progressively uh, see uh, you know, more diversity and less of uh, this issue as as um, the, uh, the the players in this um, uh, in this space uh, realize the the, the the benefits in it, uh, in particular those who just see things from a pure opportunistic perspective. Definitely, um, Lala, did you did you want to add your thought? Then I, I'm really interested in this diversity conversation. I know that I'm completely <laughs> sort of going, going off the I'll 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 take a bit from both Fidel and Francis. I think that um, from Adult perspective, yes, it's a matter of time, but I don't think that um, we can just have a laissez-faire approach um, because I mean, it's been quite a few centuries now that <laughs> business has been going and, and this, this topic doesn't seem to go away. So I agree with Francis in the sense that the, some training is, is necessary, some sensitization is, is important. Um, in order to just kind of move the needle. I mean, we only need to look at transition economies or some would call fragile states and see that you know they're still struggling to get financing like how do we you know really push um you know investors funds development uh, agencies etc to direct funding to this to these countries i mean this is still kind of very very much on the, the minds of, of policymakers and all so is is not is there's no easy solution. Um, it's going to involve you know change of mindset, uh, reevaluation of risk assessments, right? Both from from uh, the demand and the supply side, right? And, and it's going to take you know training. It's going to take resources, um, which may not always be the most um, financially uh, rewarding resources at the time. But I think that this is something that that needs to be done. And in the long run, yes, I agree. It's going to just be more better business, right? Um, but but in the short run, it's not obvious um, that that to 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 business folks that this is the best decision for them to make. So so I I, I kind of take a, a bit of both sides, and and that's my uh, that's where I am now. And I think we as a development bank, obviously, we have a huge role to play um, in this space. So we'll we'll keep pushing for that. 
I love that. And I'm, I'm going to suggest another potential research topic now because I'm, I'm all about the ideas. So maybe for your third paper, <laughs> um, after the clusters one, we talk about diversity and what actually needs to happen. And I think it might be interesting to explore this, you know, in a room full of all the different stakeholders as policymakers, as actual investors, as entrepreneurs across the spectrum. So not just um, entrepreneurs in the more established industries, but in fact, some entrepreneurs from the informal economy. And I think even academic institutions, because they also have a role to play in this sort of sensitization that we're talking about. But really, really exciting um, ideas coming out here. But let's, in the same in the same vein of this diversity conversation, let's talk about China and Chinese interest in African VC. So we know that it's growing and the footprint remains small um, compared to China's established position in sort of bilateral trade with African countries. So is this is this a symptom of how the Chinese domestic economy is structured or do you think there is room for more capital from China in Africa, especially since the OPE fundraise? And Fadel, you can take this one. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Uh, thanks, uh, Yossi. No, I mean, basically, we know much more about Chinese investments, you know, they're, they're more famous when, when we talk about the Belt and Road Initiative. You know, these are massive investments in infrastructure in Africa and other, and other regions. But interestingly, what is less known are the Chinese entrepreneurs that settled in Africa for decades now to start businesses, in particular in the manufacturing sector, textile industry, for example. There's a great book about this, and I really uh, you know, urge um, uh, the audience to, to, uh, to, to, have, uh, to have a read, which is called The, uh, the Next Factory of the World by uh, Yuan Sun, uh, an ex-McKinsey partner, on the industrialization of Africa and, and, and making kind of comparisons with, uh, with, uh, with the Chinese, uh, Chinese experience. Um, and so what I'm trying to say here is, and particularly because uh, you, you, you're mentioning, uh, for example, the, um, the case of uh, Opay. Um, so, so Opay was, uh, was founded by uh, a Chinese tech founder, right? And so that's the, the peculiarity, I think, of um, investments that come from China. So you'd have these more classical VC investments that, that have been picking up, but you also have Chinese tech founders themselves who would start companies uh, in Africa. And the benefit of that and the peculiarity of that is that that brings um, knowledge, that brings um, tech transfer, skills transfer. And, um, and, and that's very beneficial for um, the local community, um, for um, um, uh, African, uh, African employees and African um, uh, tech entrepreneurs because it, you could have, for example, spin-offs uh, from these companies that have a lot more um, tech experience and they would go on and start their own companies and that would just expand the uh, ecosystem. And, and also, we have seen a rising trend uh, of um, of uh, uh, Chinese investments in, uh, you know, in, in tech. So in particular in FinTech, but also we've seen in, um, in logistics uh, tech business as well, like uh, Lori Systems uh, in, uh, in Kenya. So, so these are, I think, the peculiarities. And um, it seems that it is, is going upwards. Um, although, as I mentioned, compared to the massive investment infrastructure, it may seem it may seem small. Um, and more broadly, one other thing that that caught my uh, uh, you know my eye on this is um, it's I think it's a bigger uh, I would say um, uh, it's, a, it's it's a bigger uh, manifestation uh, of the exchange that is happening. Um, within emerging markets. So, so we're talking now about, you know, um, investments and, and business exchange, at, you know, around tech uh, between China and Africa. Um, but there's also now we're observing um, uh, exchange between Africa and the Middle East. For example, there's this um, um, uh, the, the startup, health startup, uh, Helium Health in uh, in Nigeria that acquired a company in the, in the Gulf countries. 
Then there's also the um, transport tech company, uh, Swivel in Egypt, that um, uh, acquired um, uh, a, a startup in Latin America to expand the market in Latin America. And I think the, the, the re reason behind this is the similarities in terms of challenges and issues to solve um, among emerging markets, in addition also to the sheer size of the, uh, the populations and hence uh, of the potential markets uh, that they can serve. Great, thanks for that, for Dan, for that book recommendation. I think I, I bought it for someone a couple of years ago, but I haven't read it myself, so I might pick it up now. But I wondered if um, your colleagues also wanted to add anything to that conversation take that as a no <laughs> no okay. I, I think i think i think fidel summarized it quite nicely i mean obviously um chinese interest like you say is, is starting to grow and um you know we'll we'll see we'll see how it uh it, it plays out in the years to come i mean everyone is was was a little bit worried about covid and, and funding and, and that doesn't seem to have slowed down so much so we'll we'll see Great, thanks, Lola. So, Francis, I want to hear more of your voice. So, which aspect of the research would you say su surprised you the most? Thank you, thank you, Yossi. Um, I think that would be, you know, um, the relationship um, between VC investment and, and growth and growth rate. Uh, in fact, we our study found that uh, economic growth is not a significant driver for, for VC investment, uh, given the data set on under consideration. Uh, it is true other research have also uh, uh, come to the same conclusion of the relationship between growth um, and, and VC investment, even though this is a bit contradictory to you know the overall investment driver and, and economic growth, especially if one were to take the example of uh, direct uh, foreign direct investment. Um, this results seem, uh, I guess, to indicate that VC investors are much more interested in, in filling market gap and, and, and therefore driving by niche markets uh, to untap business potential rather than you know economic growth. Also, uh, just in the same line, trying to justify our funding, uh, you know, economic which seem to uh, be lagging behind may also present uh, more opportunities for investment and you know and, and for growth. And therefore, uh, VC investors are particularly interested in such opportunities, given you know their risk appetite and and, and their impact uh, priority. Uh, I think we, we will continue to you know explore these results as you know more data uh, become available because you know we were also very much restricted to uh, the quantum of data we, we had available for this study. So we are hoping to update the study as much uh, more data be, you know become available. Great, thanks, um, Francis. Afadal and Lola, did, uh, do you have a different perspective on which aspect of your findings surprised you the most in a, in a positive way in terms of the, uh, uh, driving the conversation and VC in Africa forward? Uh, not, not another angle specifically, but I can certainly build on, on, on this one a, a little bit more and, and just say, you know, it may seem to suggest that investors are betting on the long run you know they're playing the long the long game and so you know even though you know they wouldn't focus on growth now but they're probably hoping for growth later and and betting more now on the size of the markets and and the fact that you know hopefully the digital infrastructure would develop and so on and so they would be well positioned now to uh, take advantage of the you know the future outcomes, so that that's kind of how I would interpret um, the results in my view. Great, thanks, Fadil. Um, so let's uh, I think we'll, we'll we'll try and round up now. Almost, you might probably draw on your previous answers actually, but I wanted to talk about your key takeaways from the research project and your findings. So you know, in in a simple sentence, where do we go from here? 
what what is your outlook on VC investments over the next 12 months? And again, what do you hope policymakers will take away from the findings of the report? Um, um, so I can, I can, no, oh, go ahead, Chris. I'll wait for Francis. No, 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 go ahead. Hold on. I, I, I will continue. I will continue. I think no, I will also I follow up. <laughs> no, um, I, no, thanks, Yasi. No, this has been great. We're, we're having so much fun here. Um, but I, I was going to say that for me, what stuck out is the digital aspect of it, right? So digital infrastructure, um, high tech exports, these are things that matter and, and they don't matter just a little bit. They matter, right? So I think, um, we cannot overemphasize, you know, in uh, putting resources towards these, these, these components, right? So it could be in the form of education, maybe more high, uh, putting more resources towards high tech degrees um, or something like this. It could, you know, definitely invest in, in digital infrastructure. And the COVID-19 pandemic, again, has, has shown us how important this is. Um, I know a lot of countries are, are now focusing on this and, and creating strategies around this. And so this is something that we, we see in the paper across all models, uh, any sophistication, we see that it's important, right? So we need to definitely prioritize that um, on the continent. So that's that's just my take on it. I'll let my colleagues uh, chime in. Francis, go ahead and I'll, I'll finish afterwards for a change. I, I think probably just tonight on, uh, on what uh, Lola, Lola mentioned, I think that Digital infrastructure is always, you know, one that is very appealing. Not only digital infrastructure make it uh, possible to connect the bottom of the pyramid and last mile, and then even at affordable affordable rate, uh, but it also enable cross-border market, you know, integration, uh, increasing therefore the market prospect for for VC investor. So I, I guess policymakers are therefore really required to put in place, you know, necessary infrastructure and regulatory framework uh, that enable you know this last mile connectivity and cross border trade. And then I think the African continent continental free trade agreement is a good example of framework in, in, in this direction. Um, Probably go back a little bit to the, you know, this entrepreneurship issues. We, it's true in the data we couldn't find a good proxy for aid, but, uh, and it's also seemed to me that you know this is an area or a sector that really, you know, cover or it's more if you know or youth are really involved in there, and and we know youth, you know, in Africa and one really and to turn this youth into dividend for for African, uh, Africa pros, uh, prosperity and, and poverty reduction going forward. So therefore, I guess a skilled workforce, entrepreneurial spirit and capacity to innovate continuously are crucial building block, uh, blocks for uh, a successful African of, of tomorrow. So and I know VC does play a critical role here uh, by alleviating financial constraint and, and human capacity for the youth who lack, you know, collateral to borrow from the traditional uh, source of, of, of financing. And, and I guess this is, you know, in addition to what, you know, previously mentioned as motivation, this is also, you know, one that really motivate, you know, you know, the, the genesis of this paper. And we continue, we continue to work in this same direction. Fadel? Yeah, thanks, uh, Francis, and, and thanks, Lola. I think you've said uh, already a lot. Um, so, well, I'll, I'll just, you know, be, you know, a, a bit blunt, and I would say, if if we want Africa to build its digital economy um, and and reach its digital moonshots, and 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 part of that would be financing from, you know, um, uh, risk capital investors, so VCs and, uh, and so on, because these are the ones who fuel innovation, help scale up uh, tech companies, et cetera. If we want that digital economy and we want it, uh, you know, and be serious about it, you need that um, um, digital infrastructure foundation um, and you need connectivity, you need better access to, to internet, you need more reliability of access. And I think we all know what we're talking about here, um, you know, and, uh, and we need, you know, uh, low cost um, access uh, to, to the internet. Um, and, and, and without that, we won't be able to, to build the, uh, the next step. So, you know, and just 
And, and just to give you an idea, the, the issue is we, you know, it, it's not just because it's nice to have a digital transformation. If, if Africa doesn't do it now, Africa will be left behind um, compared to other regions. Um, if you read like the latest book by Eric Schmidt and, and Henry Kissinger um, uh, on AI, um, very, very interesting, a very interesting book, very interesting uh, insights. Um, and what they're saying is, you know, that the, the AI would belong to a few countries in the future. Those who are already massive investing uh, in them, and we know who they are, right? You know, a few advanced economies. And so what will happen later down the line is these countries are going to be selling AI, uh, AI products to the other countries. And so Africa will find itself yet again um, in that situation of being a consumer rather than a producer and again having you know trade deficits but not in the physical world but in the digital world um, if you look actually right now at data on robot sales um, and you look at the share of africa compared to other uh, other other regions the share of robot sales in africa is almost zero and you look at the china chinese share it's skyrocketing uh, European share going upwards slowly and US share going decently up. So, and Africa is nowhere to be found. Um, so that means as well that there will be a lot of reshoring of um, low paid jobs um, uh, from Africa back to advanced economies, right? Because now you have robots that will do the work in the, in the manufacturing sector. So. Africa may not have that even that time window to industrialize like other uh, regions have done in the past, just because of the lack of digital transformation. So what I'm trying to say is that there is an urgency, um, and so our results are in line with this uh, with this urgency. Um, a, a last point I'll just make on the um, on your question on. Uh, uh, where we see VC investments in, in, in the next few months. And that, that relates a bit to what I said uh, earlier, which is that you know, we've seen um, a lot of resilience of VC investments during the pandemic, very surprising, but yet a lot of resilience. Um, and, and likely what will be strengthened more are the sectors that have benefited from the pandemic, uh, if one may wish to use that word, um, and, and, and those that have been very much in line with the social distancing uh, constraints and that helped consumers to uh, navigate uh, better uh, through um, the pandemic. Thank you. Great, thanks for that, Fadel. And as you were speaking, something crossed my mind in when you said, look, there is an urgency. So are we essentially saying, you know how they say Africa has to sort of leapfrog its manufacturing and its industrialization stage to compete on a global level, which is why everything within is tech and you know digital now. Are, are you almost saying that in the future, we may also have to be leapfrogging to compete where AI is concerned? Um, yeah, I mean, well, two things. Uh, number one, um, leapfrogging manufacturing, well, it depends how what we mean by that, because manufacturing and, you know, industrialization has typically allowed um, uh, employment of massive, uh, you know, uh, portions of populations in history and has uh, helped in, in development. So, so uh, you know, leapfrogging in the manufacturing sector in the sense of, you know, modernizing it, taking advantage of the latest technology, creating the latest technologies in Africa uh, itself, yes. But I think it should probably be, at least in a transition period, a hybrid, i.e. it would still need to involve um, human capital uh, so that nobody's left behind in that uh, transition. And in terms of um, leapfrogging in, in AI, I think all I'm, I'm saying there is it would have to be, you know, um, 
Africa has to create its own products in that sphere, its own knowledge in that sphere, because I think there will be, you know, um, idiosyncrasies um, in the way these type of products, AI products, are, are created. In a sense, they are they are actually based on on on, on data generated by human beings, and so that will reflect a certain type of human beings and certain type of issues uh, for these human beings. Um, and so, and so, it makes sense that Africa also develops its own based on you know its own data and so you know its own peculiarities, so that it would be able to compete uh, in the future uh, together with the other countries. Great, thanks for that, Fadel. So. This is a really interesting conversation and I, I sort of want to tie it up on a fun and uh, inspirational note. So I, I want all of you to tell our listeners, you know, the one thing that you love and the one thing that excites you about working in and on Africa. Who wants to go first? Uh, Laura or Francis? <laughs> what are you thinking? No, I think, uh, you know, being part of, you know, again, working for the African Development Bank and, and seeing the impact of, you know, what the bank is doing, you know, in the continent, changing life uh, is, is one that really make me motivated to continue doing this. Um, and then I know also this angle of youth and entrepreneurship is, is something that if uh, we as African, we don't really get involved, come back tomorrow as the, as the same media as a bomb and everyone will, 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 will face negative consequences for, from that. So, and then I know the bank has been very much also involved and also this VC research is also contributing to that. As you know, you know most investing company as, uh, led by 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 youth, and and it really make me excited to see that at least through our involvement, we, we are helping them to to grow their company and also to improve you know youth, which is which is good. And I think I will end here probably just thanking you, UC and you know and the African Private Equity and Venture Capital Association for the opportunity to discuss uh, this topic, which is very dear to us. And, and, and we hope to continue the partnership with you and uh, already looking forward for uh, our next talk. Um, yeah, Fadel, Lola. I'll let Lola go first. Go ahead, Lola. <laughs> okay. You know, Fadel is our is our Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, thanks again, Yasi. Thank you for this platform, um, for the opportunity to talk about our research. I think for me, uh, having lived in the diaspora for, for over two decades, um, you know, coming back to the continent, it just gave me a sort of pride um, and just desire to put in my best and to, to, uh, to do to do what I couldn't do while I was on the continent, right? So part of it is the human capital, um, the research aspect of it. I think that's really important. Um, so that's that's part of my efforts are, are focused on that. But like Francis, I think um, the, the youth story is one that is to be lauded. Um, I have a lot of classmates who I went to school with who, you know, are now starting also, um, this type of funds and, and are entrepreneurs in their own right, uh, full disclosure. I know a, a lot of them who approached me for, for funding, seed funding, you know, series A, B, C, uh, as, as the need arises. Uh, so I'm just really, really excited to, to see what's happening with the youth on the continent. And those who are in a diaspora also try not to be left behind and are are uh, fully engaging in the, in the entrepreneurship space back back on the continent. So I think this is uh, this is great, and I look forward to having more conversations uh, with the ABCA and and with any other uh, partner who who's interested in the space. And like you said, we have uh, two or three topics lined up for future research. So I think we'll be quite busy. And uh, <laughs> thank you. Over to you, Fidel. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Lola. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll tell you about you know what what excites me uh, and what has excited me in, in uh, uh, working on uh, you know VC in Africa in particular. You know, uh, I mean, 
we look at PC, um, the PC sector in, in the US, for example, I mean, it's pretty much all set. Uh, it's pretty much well structured. There's been a lot of research on that. And, and I'm usually much more excited to be in environments that are in the making and that are evolving. And when you look at uh, venture capital, um, you know, risk finance in Africa, it's still, it's still in its infancy. Um, and so it's what you do would feel much more meaningful. Uh, um, our research definitely would have much more impact because, you know, uh, between little information and, and, and a bit more information is a big difference. Um, and, and, and that means also we would have most likely the opportunity to help mold the, you know, the direction uh, of where that money should be going, which sectors it should be going, that it should, um, it should um, you know, lead to more diversity, for example. You know? So we, we're allowing to have these conversations earlier on while things are still in the making. And I think that's uh, that's uh, particularly uh, exciting. Um, then um, you know I I, I uh, relatedly uh, look forward as well um, to um, to more research, um, in particular uh, at the more granular level, at the more uh, deal level that we can work on. And and uh, so I, I look forward to ABCA to sharing with us maybe um, deal level da data so that we can have even. Uh, even richer findings uh, to share with everyone. And I'll stop there. Absolutely. I'll, I'll take that feedback back to the team. Uh, but it's been so wonderful talking to you three. Um, it, it's, this is a really exciting conversation. And look, VC is, is the future for Africa. And we need to keep talking about it and exploring all these things. So thank you all for your time today. Uh, thank you for sharing your insights. Thank you for sharing your, your findings and your research. And we definitely look forward to hearing more um, from your team and where, where VC is going in Africa. Thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank you, thank you Yossi. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. To find out more about what we do in Africa, please visit our website at www.avca-africa.org. You can also follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn to keep up with the latest news and updates in the private equity and venture capital industry in Africa.